What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Revelation 21 is where we're going to be starting off, if you have your Bibles there. It's funny, sometimes people come to work with me at Urban Youth and, and also at, at, uh, at Bow Down, and uh, one of the things that, uh, part of a recruiting pitch that I've used in the past was, um, hey, listen, we don't pay you a lot, but you get paid when you die, okay? <laughs> you get really paid when you die, and uh, some people think I'm joking, but I'm not joking. That's where all the benefits are, baby. And you know, the Apostle Paul, I don't know if he had a 401k retirement package and insurance plan he was handing out to Titus and Timothy. I think he was like, hey, come follow me, you get paid when you die. So anyway, we might have to bring that back in some of our policies. This is why I need help. Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. The tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with him, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And I said last week about this, guys, this is the backdrop of the whole story, the whole purpose behind the cross. The whole purpose behind this whole thing is that God wants us to dwell with him. He wants us. He desires us. And that narrative is throughout the Bible. If you missed last week, it's online. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death will be no more. Neither shall there be no mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now listen, if you were coming to me as a doctor and you were struggling with depression, I would say take this verse and meditate on it for 30 minutes every day this week and then come see me. This is powerful. Listen, this side of heaven... There's some things that are going to hurt really, really bad. There's the world that we have to deal with. There's the flesh that we have and other people have and other Christians have. And sometimes they move in the flesh because they don't have the ability or the discernment to separate the soul from the spirit. And so instead of being spirit-led, they're soul-led, right? You and me both included. Can I get a witness in here? And we also have this person called the devil. But if you remember, the devil has been thrown into the lake of fire already. So the devil's gone. And because of that, because of that, we are in heaven and all this stuff is gone. No more pain, no more suffering, no more mourning. And people think, man, what about the loved ones that didn't make it to heaven? Listen, there's not going to be any mourning. I don't know if God is just going to erase that memory. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how he's going to do it, but you are not going to be sad. You're not going to cry in heaven. There's no sin. In heaven, there's no devil, no sickness, no worry, no fear, no injustice. Imagine never, ever, ever fearing again. Fear, the great immobilizer, right? False expectations appearing real. Fear, never will you have to deal with fear again. You would never worry about tomorrow. Complete confidence. There's no poverty, like you're living on and walking on streets of gold. You're rich. Say, I'm rich. Yeah, you're rich. Because this is your inheritance. Never going to get sick. You're never going to die. There's going to be harmony and friendship and love, perfect love, just being given. 
to one another, the community. And I could, I could preach a whole sermon just on this one verse. It's amazing. And listen, listen, listen. Husbands, you need to ask your wives. Verse 4, hey, have I moved towards you to wipe away every tear? I asked my wife that because, you know, I was going to say it, and I don't want to be a hypocrite up here. And she's like, yeah, you have. And see, we've got to be people, and not just husbands, but also wives. You can ask your husband that, that, that move towards one another in a loving way, right? Proverbs 20, verse 5 says this, a man of understanding draws out the deep waters that are in a person's heart. And so, man, there's deep waters in all of us, and do we led by the Spirit of God, move in such a way where we can reach inside and we can wipe every single tear away? Do we move with the healing of God, the healing balm of of Gilead, bringing healing to our spouse, bringing healing to our children? When we saw Kevin's video, the pain that was there that he was walking with, and if he would have just said, Dad, did you leave me because I'm less important than my sister? But the dad didn't move. His dad didn't move like that. Parents. I just sat with my daughter last night. And I'm teaching her about the soul, the soul, where your mind, your will, and your emotions dwell. Your, your mind, how you think, your will, what you want to do, what you don't want to do. Your will, God's will, your feelings. Your feelings are in the, the, the how do you feel about this? And and we're talking about these things where, where God, I want to think how you think. I want your will, not mine. I want to feel what you feel, God. And everything I'm bringing to the table, it's secondary. It's not unimportant, but it's secondary. But I want my thoughts and my will and my feelings aligned with God. That's deep stuff. And most people don't know how to get in touch with someone's soul. Why? Because they're not in touch with their own. And they're not moving with the Holy Spirit of God. Listen, kingdom people, this is what heaven's like. And what is the prayer we've been told to pray? May your kingdom come on where? Earth as it is in heaven. So I've got to take Revelation 21.4 and say, wow, this is my to-do list. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm about. This is how I'm going to move. This is how I'm going to train. I'm going to be trained in such a way where I can, I can bring healing. I can bring comfort. I can alleviate some of the pain and the hurt and the wound as I look around in this world and love. And love like Jesus. It's what Jesus is doing. It's what's going to happen in heaven. But it's what he's doing right now in this world. This is what we're about, guys. I'd like you to pick, put up the picture of the mansion, Jeremy. I want to hit on some things right here. Um, people are going to get triggered. That's okay. Jesus loves you. Just rest in his love and come out of your own mindset and say, God, what is the mind of Christ? Come out of your own feelings and wounds and say, okay, God, how do you feel? So I just picked, picked this up. This is somebody's house, okay? It's pretty nice, right? Pretty cool mansion. Okay, we'll, we'll take that. You know, I'll take that. Uh, next picture, Jeremy, of India. Now, I want you to notice something here. If you could go in to the depths of these slums here, it would probably make us throw up, us Americans, and people are living, probably, probably a billion people in our world are living in areas like this. But do you see in the background, do you see some of those high rises? Great wealth. Great wealth. And so listen to what Jesus says. He says that the poor you will what? Always have with us, among us. The poor will always be among us. Now, Poverty. Is poverty in heaven? No, not at all. We're all wealthy. So 
for us as the people of God, we've got to say, okay, man, how can I bring heaven to earth? How can I do this? This, this is not kingdom. Do you know why this is here? It's because of the Hindu religion. It's because of a caste system. A demonic religion that was set up, meaning if you are born in poverty, then we are not going to help you because when you die and we don't help you and you suffer the consequences when you come back to life and are reincarnated, maybe into a cow or something, then you'll have a better life. So we don't help the poor. How demonic is that? That's the Hindu religion. If I was an Indian, I, probably, I would be killed for that, by the way. But, but that's, what it, that's what it produces. Now, listen, church, this is not just in India. This is everywhere for all time. Do you know that they ended slavery in Ethiopia in 1945? Slavery. 1945. There's injustice everywhere around the world, everywhere we look, and yes, even here. Jeremy, if you could put up the circle picture, and I pray you guys take a picture of this because we're called to create a new circle. So why is there poverty? Why is there poverty? Well, there's a lot of different factors of why there's a poverty, but this is what's going on. You have broken people, broken people because of sin, because of rebellion, people that are far from God, they create broken systems. They create broken systems, and the broken systems are perpetuated by demonic forces which create and produce more broken people that create more broken systems, and you guys get it. It's a continuing thing. That is why there's poverty in the world. And so uh, go ahead and throw up the Forbes article, please. So this was, this was done in, in 2015. Now, why does this happen? Is it because of a broken system? No, broken individuals that do not know how to handle money properly. And so, for instance, that you can go online, YouTube, and you can put NFL, how I spent my first million. And videos have been created because that's the system where people want to know how did they spend their first million on their contract. What they're not doing is talking about, okay, there's a real problem with that kind of mentality. There's a real problem with that kind of paradigm and mindset. And so we're in a culture that wants to flex all the time. Flex, meaning uh, let me get a, <laughs> so people are like, flex. Um, so uh, meaning, meaning. I, I, I got to get this Bentley, and it's got to be painted the right color, right? Flexing. That's, that's what flexing means, okay? When the Ford would have worked, you know what I'm saying? So, so I want you to put up this Fox article, Jeremy. Now, listen, that was 2015, okay? And this next article that's going to pop up any second <laughs> was done. It's not there. Okay, so it's uh, 22. It was it, uh, in, in uh, 2022. They, did, they redid this. It's now down to 78% of NFL players after five years are broke. Nothing's changing. The information is there, but nothing's changing. Well, why isn't it changing? It's because of cultural mindsets and realities that need to be broken. When someone that is prideful and has to prove that they have made it, they will spend in order to prove that, flex. But a humble person does not need to prove anything. They're content with what they have. The issue is not the system. The issue is the broken individual that's moved by pride, which is moving their spending habits or greed or consumption. And this is why the kingdom is really, really important. This is why Jesus says, hey, what does it matter if you gain the whole world, but yet what? Lose your what? Soul. So we have to have a kingdom mindset when it comes to finances. 
I want this house. Well, does, do you want this house, God? So broken individuals that are broken because of trauma, wounds, culture, cultural mindsets that haven't been checked by the Holy Spirit of God. God comes into those and, and brings healing. All right, go back to the broken uh, picture, Jeremy. The second thing that we see, so, so, so broken individuals, the second thing that we see is that broken people create oppressive or broken systems. Hitler was broken, therefore he created a broken system. In India, the caste system, that's a broken system. In North Korea and South Korea, you can see the difference. South Korea is the number one sending missionary nation in the world, by the way. And our American troops pushed back North Korea, communism, where they're suffering poverty, starvation, murder. They're murdering Christians, and South Korea is completely free, completely free. Why? Systems. Systems. Now, is there broken systems in South Korea? Yes, there is. But not as jacked up as North Korea, where government controls everything. This is why a government by the people and for the people is a really good system. It produces really good things. Systems matter. I want you to put up the monopoly picture. Now, some of you are going to get triggered. It's it's okay. So this this word has become famous today, white privilege, right? White privilege, white privilege, and people get triggered over it. Let me just explain it to you how I always explain it, how I've been explaining it for 15 years, by the way, because we've been in this for over 25 years at Urban Youth Impact, right? So when I use the term, this is what I'm talking about. In America, if you're white, you are allowed to go around the board two or three times. Civil rights came, and all of a sudden, you can start buying property and land. Does that make sense? That's called privilege. Privilege. The house that I bought on Tamron Avenue was owned by a guy named Dr. Carter. He sold his house in 1967, and he moved outside the community because Florida passed the law saying you can move anywhere now if you're black. 1967, welcome to America. Now, here's the issue. That was a broken system that was created. Civil rights, there has been a lot of changes that have been really, really good, but the residue of the system is still there. In fact, listen, the system's been fixed so much, you can do your own research, but if the blacks in America gathered all of their money together, they would be the eighth richest country in the world. Hello. That's pretty amazing. That should be celebrated, but it's not. You know why? Because people are uneducated by this and the narratives continue. Civil rights movement changed a lot of things. But you know what? When broken people try to fix a broken system, it creates another broken system. Because it's often led by demonic forces. We just placed on the Supreme Court, Miss Jackson. Sorry, Miss Jackson, I am for real. Sometimes I can't help myself. So she's put on there, and some of you, anyway, don't even worry about it. Just let it go. Some of you, they're, anyway. So, so listen. We're trying to fix the system, but what just happened was that discriminated against every single black man in America that wanted to be a judge by saying we're only going to put a black female on. How discriminatory is that? How racist is that for the 
the Mexican or the Puerto Rican that wanted to be a judge and work their whole life and, and went above and beyond, but said, no, 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 listen, if you're not a black female, you're not getting put up here. That's what happens when broken people try to refix a broken system. It creates more brokenness and more division and more hatred. And anyway, put that circle back, Jeremy, please. This is why these things and talking about these things without getting offended and having conversations around these things because everything can't be put into a tweet. You need to have real conversations when you look in people's eyes. And listen, again, if I've offended you, you come see me. We can talk about it. But I want you to understand something. I've given my life to this. My life to breaking the system and helping those out of the system. And I'm going to continue to spend my life to those that, that, that have been hurt by a broken system because this is what the people of God do. When the broken people get healed, they create systems that actually help people out of a broken system and they push back demonic forces and they bring in the kingdom of God. This is what the church is supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to be about where we bring Revelation 21.4 down to earth in a practical reality. Now, it's never going to be perfect. Why? Because you can cast out the devil, but you can't cast out your flesh. Your flesh is always going to be there. And this is why we need to be led by the Spirit. This is why our church has healing systems of inner healing, of starting a recovery church for alcoholics, drug addicts, of, of, of why we need to create systems where people that are dealing with porn can come and we can break you out of that system and bring healing and push back the forces of darkness as we lock arms together and be real together. This is what the church is about. Jeremy put up this picture from 10 years of Urban Youth Impact. On average, 13% of our youth Coming from inner city area, they read on grade level when they enroll here at Urban Youth Impact, 13%. 13%. I don't know about you, but that's injustice. And the sad thing is, the leaders who are leading never marched on the public school system. That's another topic another time. But by the end of the year, 77% of our youth are reading on grade level. That, yeah, glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus. And the founder, by the way, is right up here in the front, Bill Hobbs. Just say hey. But this is what we do here. We're creating a system that is looking at the brokenness and saying, hey, we're here to bring healing to this brokenness. We continue to work on that. And this is the church's job. Wherever we see brokenness, that's where we're called. How are you fighting brokenness right now? What's your plan? Listen, if this church, if everybody signed up to read with a child and mentor a child at Urban Youth Impact, we could get over 200 kids walking with a mentor. That would be a miracle. That would be a revival. I would die, I'd, I'd say, okay, God, I've done it. I'm out of here. That's, that's, that's my mission, moving out of a spirit of adoption to raise up a generation that's going to die for the fatherless, for the broken. Amen. All right, let's move on, guys, okay? If you don't have a takeaway from that, you're not listening, okay? I'll say it one more time, though, in case you weren't listening. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
Death will be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things that pass away. That is your J-O-B. Get on it. Let's get on it together. Let's be about that life. Verse 5. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. I'm making all things new. Wow. What another verse to meditate on when you're just like, man, ah, when is this going to end? When is this going to be over? Man, focus on the reality. He's going to make all things, all things new. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. It's not like this is a make-believe story here. Oh, you believe in heaven? Yeah, whatever, man. No. Scripture is declaring this is trustworthy and true. Do you know your 401k is not trustworthy and true? Taxes are, but... But even America right now is not trustworthy and true. We're on the decline, guys. These elections weren't trustworthy and true. Are you an election denier? Yes. Because I'm led by facts, not by the fake news. And if that offends you, you come see me. I got some stuff to show you. All right. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 4, please. It's nothing like a good offense, guys. <laughs> nothing like a good offense. So this is, this is a verse for somebody here. 2 Corinthians 4.16. Obviously, we're going to be coming back to Revelation 21. It says, it says, so we don't lose heart. So we don't lose heart. God's will is this for you to not lose heart. Why? He's going to make all things new, guys. Be encouraged. Every tear is going to be wiped away someday. Be encouraged. The mourning, the pain, it's all going away someday. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Our outer self is wasting away. Enjoy that Christmas cheating dinner and dinners and parties. It's wasting away anyway, baby. We're not in diet season right now. That's another word for somebody. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Help me, God. So, so we're wasting away, and our inner self is being renewed day by day. You're being changed, Scripture says, from glory to glory. Today, you're glorious. Tomorrow, you're going to be more glorious as you stand in Christ alone. Outside, wasting away. 17. For this light and momentary affliction, whatever you're dealing with right now, it is a light and momentary affliction. Again, when depression hits you, when anxiety hits you, hit this passage here. Hit it. Stay in it. Dwell on it. Holy Spirit, revelation, I need you to help me replace these thoughts that are overwhelming me with the reality of what I need to walk in so I don't lose heart. This light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So the best you've ever felt in your entire life will never be able to be compared with what's coming. The best day you've ever had, the best moment you've ever had, you can't compare with what is coming. Verse 18, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And therein lies our problem. We're so focused on the things that are seen rather than the reality of the unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. See, this is Christian Doctrine 101. This is how we think. This is how we live. This is why when 
all hell breaks loose, we remain strong in Christ because we received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That's why if everything goes down, I know and I'm confident that there is not a sparrow that falls to the ground without my dad knowing it. I am sure that he will show up because his word says, and I've memorized it, I will never, I've never seen a righteous man begging in the streets. And so God is my God. God is my king. He goes before me. I've set the Lord at my right hand. I will not be shaken. If, and I can keep going, guys. But listen, you need to keep going. Instead of, hey, man, I'm just, will you come and, and just, I need you. I need you. Now, listen, I'm not trying to belittle people. But there comes a time and place where you need to get off milk. And you need to start eating and standing in the word of God over your feelings, in the word of God over your thoughts, in the word of God over your situation, in the word of God over. And that is one of the biggest problems in the church is people are moved by lies instead of truth. So a man thinketh, so is he. Now again, we don't belittle trauma, pain, hurt, and wounds. We want to come in and we want to bring healing. But there's also some of you who should be in inner healing leading it right now. Because you're doing Revelation 21, 4, and 5. And you're saying, God, how can I come alongside this poor girl who suffered through this, this, and this so that all things can be made new? Help me to bring healing, Jesus. Verse 6, Revelation 21. And he said to me, it is done. It's reminiscent of Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished. It is finished. It is done. No more of the old things. Hallelujah. It's completed. I am the Alpha and the Omega. And I want you to, I, I, I want you to, to, to highlight that phrase there. And I want you to turn to Revelation 22, 13, which is a page over. And you see that in the red letters. You see that in the red letters. Why? Because that's Jesus talking. And what Jesus is saying is that he is God. Alpha and the Omega, that's the, the A and the Z, if you will, of the Greek alphabet, the beginning and the end. I am God. Jesus is God. His words are trustworthy and true. It is finished. It is done. It is over. We're in heaven. Verse 6 continued, to the thirsty, to the thirsty, there's a, a desperation. Matthew 5, 5, the, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. They will be filled. That's a promise from Jesus here, but that's also a promise from Jesus there in heaven. No more will you be thirsty. You're going to be filled. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. You can put down Isaiah 55, verse 1, which says, come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters, and he who has no money, come. Jesus is the living water. He's crying out for us to come and to drink from him. The problem is we don't come. Verse 7. The one who conquers, and I want you to highlight conquers, please. will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. I'd like you to turn to 1 John 5, please. The one who conquers, the one who conquers. So how do we conquer? Well, Revelation chapter 12, it says that they overcame by the what? blood of the lamb, by the blood of the lamb, by the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, meaning I'm a Christian. I testify. I witness. I belong to him now. But here, 1 John 4, it says this, verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes. You can put conquers, the world. And this is the victory. You have the victory, church, that has overcome the world 
our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And this is the beautiful thing about Christianity. And Christianity is not, you don't work your way to heaven like every other religion in the world. Christianity is God came down to us. And when we turn and acknowledge, man, I have sinned against the holy God. I am a sinner. And I see what Christ did on that cross, how he took my sin. He took that beating and whooping and wrath that I deserve. And I am just so sorry. And I want forgiveness for that. And I want to turn and I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to believe in you, Jesus, right? You become, when you put your faith in the the death In the resurrection of Jesus, you become a Christian. You become born again. And it's not by works. It's by faith through grace. And that is how you conquer. That is how you overcome. Now, go ahead and turn over to John chapter 6, please, because I want to see how this plays out. Listen, the apostle Paul was speaking to the church in Galatia, and he's saying, who bewitched you guys? Who brought you into another gospel thinking that you're born again by faith, by the Spirit, and now you got to do all the works of the law? No, no legalism. Don't get sucked into the works of the law. The work that you're called to do is to believe, and this is Jesus' teaching. John chapter 6, verse 28. And they said to him, these are the disciples, Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So now that you're saved, what do we got to do now? Well, 21 verse 4, right? We've already said that. Well, how do you do that, though? Jesus' answer, this is the work of God that you believe. See, I won't be able to bring healing to someone if I believe there's no way I can bring healing with Jesus. If I don't believe Jesus heals, I'm not going to bring healing healing. If I don't believe God can change things, I'm not going to go preach that message. If I don't believe God can't change a situation that somebody's dealing with, then I'm, I'm just going to keep to myself and, and stay in my, my own self. But if I truly believe, because this is the work, this is the work that you believe. Hey, God loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. God is with you. God is for you. Like when you believe that stuff, you begin to move out of your belief. And that is the hardest thing to do. It's really, really hard to believe when everything crumbles in your life. Like when there is a death, when there is a rejection. See, we pray, God, I want to be like you. But then when he gives you a Judas, just like Jesus had, and you get an opportunity to bless your Judas and embrace the cross for your Judas. Oh, I didn't sign up for that. But see, when you have a Judas, instead of complaining and whining about your Judas, you begin to believe and thank God for your Judas because without my Judas, I can't really be like you, Jesus. And so I believe this Judas was made just for me. In fact, you might even be get a little crazy. You know what, God, I never had a Judas. Can I get one? People don't know what to do with me. Thank you. As one of my mentors and fathers of my life, Rick Merrill says, If you ask the wrong questions, you'll get the wrong answers. Inconvenient questions that we really don't want to look at, that's the role of the pastor. Keep praying for me. Do you believe? God really encouraged me this past week because as I went to pray for Lisa at the hospital, I was really, really believing that God was going to heal her and they were going to call off the surgery and it didn't happen. I'm praying for my wife's back, nothing. And there's been multiple things I've been praying for that's not happening. And I'm like, even last week, I don't know what service I did, but I said, if there's somebody who has the gift of healing, would you please stand up? You know, come see me. I need you. I need to bring you around, right? Because it's a gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gift of healing is a gift. 
then after the service, KJ's brother, is KJ in here this morning? No KJ. KJ's brother was visiting for Thanksgiving and came up to me. He's, hey, Chris, I just want you to know my back's still, it's still healed. And I forgot that when we prayed for him up here and my hand was on his back, my hand was just getting warm and he just started sweating profusely and God healed his lower back pain. Now, God brought him because that was like six months ago and I forgot about it. See, we remember the failures, not the successes. This is why Jesus said, when you cross the Jordan, build, put rocks there so that you remember, because we're prone to forget. So God reminded me of that to encourage my heart because I was in the dumps down and disappointed, right? Woe is me. The work, guys, is to believe when there's no reason to believe. And listen, some of you that have been through droughts, that's where it's really hard to believe. It's easy to believe on the mountaintop. But in those valleys, that's where we grow. Are we going to believe when there's no reason to believe? And that is your greatest work, to believe in every circumstance, to believe. Verse 8, as for the cowardly and the faithless. Revelation 21, sorry. The cowardly and the faithless. That always bothered me. Cowardly. Somebody that shrinks back. How many times have I been a coward? That's why it bothers me. I've been a, a coward way more than Peter was a coward when he denied Christ three times. I got way more than three cowardly experiences. The faithless. How many times have I not walked believing? Yet he slay me still. I will love him. Naked I came into this world. Naked I believe. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I will believe. How many times have I not been faith, faithful but faithless? And this, is, this verse, man, it really, really helps us to focus in. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Is the, are these patterns in my life? Am I going to continue to shrink back? Am I going to continue to be a coward? When it comes time to step up? This is extremely important. I want you to turn to Matthew 13, please. Verse 18, it says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word, Matthew 13, 18, this is Jesus talking. He's, he's explaining this parable that he just spoke. If anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown into his heart. And so it matters. Teaching matters. Doctrine matters. It's, a, you know, Going through scripture so we have an understanding, this stuff matters so that we drill down on things so that we get it, we get it. And understand Jesus is saying that there is an enemy wanting to snatch away. So listen, the scripture that's been given today, there's an enemy that wants to snatch it away from you right when you leave, before you go to lunch. He might even have you thinking about lunch right now. You're sucking on a Chipotle burrito right now in your mind. <laughs> if that was you, come see me afterwards, okay? Sometimes I want to make sure I'm led by the Spirit. Anyway. 
When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, doesn't come, doesn't understand, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown into his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Verse 20, as for what was sown upon the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This is why at the end of our sermons here, we do not do an emotional pitch for you to come and give your life to Jesus. This is why we do altar calls differently, because we don't want an emotional response made out of a just, oh man, yeah, I want to go to heaven when I die. Yeah, I want my sins forgiven. When you really don't want Jesus. You get saved by praying a prayer, but the prayer doesn't save you. Meaning, if it's a ritualistic thing that you just received with joy, and you really, really, really don't believe, well, how do I know if I believe or not? Thanks for asking. Let's keep reading. He has no root, endures for a little while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Listen, some of you here have no enemies in your life. That means you're not really following Jesus. Oh, man. We'll be down to one service next week, guys. <laughs> goals. Hey, listen, I say this in love. But again, if you do not have anybody that just doesn't like you, that really is, is, is hating on you, then you're not following Jesus. In fact, in another place, Jesus says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. He says, woe to that. Christianity is not a thing where I want everybody to like me. It's a person that walks in truth. And guess what? People don't like truth. They want to do what they want to do. And that's adverse to the gospel because the gospel is, if you want to be my disciple, take up your, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. No, no, no. I don't want to follow anybody. And so Jesus' gospel is this, deny yourself. You have to turn from your entire way of living. You can't do what you want anymore. You're not king anymore. Your crown is broken. Take it off. It's Jesus. He's the king. He's in charge. And people don't want that, man. We want an easy one. I just want my sins forgiven so I can go to heaven when I die. I don't know about that gospel. I can't find that gospel anywhere can't find it. How do I know if I'm really saved? It's because I don't turn back like a coward. I don't remain faithless, but persecution comes, and I'm like, oh, God, this hurts, but I'm going to press in Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, listen, I, 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 I don't have anywhere else to go. You have the words of eternal life. Though my mother and father success, uh, uh, forsake me, the Lord, he takes me in. You are all that I have. You are all that I need. And I don't care if everybody rejects me. Everybody, I'm all in with you, Jesus. Listen, if that's you, you're saved, probably. <laughs> Work it out with fear and trembling. Let's keep going. As for what was sown among thorns, and by the way, this is the majority of the church in America. There's sown among thorns, there's, there's one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. You might want to highlight that one. That's the broken system that we say, oh, I want to stay a part. Can I follow Jesus and stay a part of that broken system? The American dream's not the kingdom dream. They choke out the word, and it proves what? Unfruitful. So there's no fruit in a disciple's life because they'll spend 100000 going to college but don't have time for the Wednesday night Bible study. That's free. And it chokes out because I'm stuck in the system. Not hating on college, I'm just telling you. Well, sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word, understands it, 
and indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, 100, another 60, and another 30. Is that you? This is why, and we're, we're closing right now, by the way. When we end our worship time, you're going to see people leave. Some of those people are going to get their kids. They're coming back because we have to dismiss children's church or else I get in trouble. They usually come back with their kids and begin to worship Jesus. And we spend about 30 minutes worshiping Jesus, 25 minutes, whatever. We have the the communion table there so that we celebrate our union with God. We say, yeah, God, I really believe in your death, burial, and resurrection. I believe in your broken body and your blood that was shed for me. I want to be one with you. I'm all in on your kingdom, but take this word that was just preached this morning produce 30, 60, 100 fold in my life. That you sit. I want you to go back to Revelation 21.8. Sit with this. Am I a coward God? Am I faithless God? Am I detestable? means I'm bent on wickedness, murder, sexual immoral, sorcery, that's drugs, pharmacy, pharmakia, idolatry, liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So we've went from heaven to hell today. And those are the two options, smoking or non-smoking. Where are you? Jesus are you really really saved have you really given your life completely to him or do these things describe your life are these are are 21 8 attributes of your life then I have a real concern I have a real concern if that's the pattern of your life I have a real concern father thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Father, I pray for every person that is here. This would be a holy moment. They would would invite you, Holy Spirit of God, in to, to, to really search them and know them and know their heart, God. Are they really, really following you, Jesus? Have they really, really given their life to you, Jesus? I pray for the weight, God. The weight of your presence, God, just to be upon us all. And I pray for the faith to be able to turn and believe in you, Jesus. As you desire, as you desire. to make us yours. As you desire children that will love you and long for you and follow you. So God, I pray for those that need prayer this morning, whatever it may be, that you would just invite them up as we sing and as we worship. Have your way in this place today, Jesus. In Christ's name. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.